hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Say, do you hear what I hear? Said the night wind to the little lamb. Anyone else want to sing with me? Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? And then it sings, a star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. Repeat it. With a tail as big as a kite. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, Do you Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy, You guys are horrible. A song, a song, high above the trees with a voice as big as the sea. Do it two times. With a voice as big as the sea. Who needs a YouTube clip? That was pretty good. All right. At Christmas time, I think it's one of the things that's really tough as pastors to look at the story of Christmas and come up with, with either one, two, three, or four Sundays based on the same story that never changes, right? And I, I, it's funny because I had, I, I had a coffee time with uh, an opening to all pastors to talk about Christmas texts. How do, how do we engage the story that never changes, and I sat with a pastor from Rickerton Baptist, and we started to kind of dream and scheme ideas and how we can re-engage the story of Christmas afresh again for 2020. He was, he came up with some really good ideas. I was thinking about this, and then I remembered this song, Do You Hear What I Hear? Funny enough, Josh and I were talking last night that in the evening service, the evening crew, the young adults, guess what their uh, song that they're going to be exposing for the next four weeks? It's In Excelsis Deo. We didn't talk. John T. was like, I want to unpack that song. So here at South City for 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., we're going to look for the next month, carols. His is a lot older, written in Latin. Mine's written in the 1960s. Advent is the time in our calendar that marks that four Sundays up to Christmas Eve. And that's why we do, or some churches do, a Advent wreath, or in this case, it's an Advent station. They're thematic in nature, but they don't always have to be the same thing every year. Sometimes it's hope, love, joy, peace. And then the center candle is the Christ candle, which will light on Christmas Eve. Some it's, it's going to be uh, prophecy, presence, promise, and person. I know it's a lot of P's. But whatever your church experience or maybe your upbringing, maybe this reminds you of how you were raised as a kid and you're like, oh, I remember doing an Advent wreath. The whole idea is it's an adventure. Oh, pun. No one got it? Okay. Dad joke. Dad joke. Okay. Adventure. 
The thing about it is, if we do things like this, it always is because there's intentionality attached to it. It's not because just we're doing it because we do it. But it's something that we get to do. What I love about this is that families come up and do a reading. And it kind of centers us, like when Eleanor and her, her daughter were up here. It kind of centers us, like, what are, we, what are we doing here in this season? So for this first Sunday of Advent, I want to take us on a trip down memory lane. Some of you are at an age where you would have remembered this time. In Cuban Missile Crisis in October of 1962, the major confrontation that brought the United States and the Soviet Union close to war, the presence of Soviet nuclear missiles in Cuba. Having promised in May of 1960 to defend Cuba, the Soviet arms, the, the premier, Khrushchev, assumed that the United States would take no steps to preventing the installation of missiles in Cuba. Such missiles could hit the eastern seaboard of the United States within a few minutes if they were launched from Cuba. The United States learned in the July of 1962 that the Soviet Union had begun missile shipments to Cuba. Some of you guys remember this. By August 29, new military constructions were and, and the presence of Soviet technicians had been rep reported by the U.S. in Cuba. Two spy planes flying over the island on October 14th, they saw ballistic missiles, a launching site that was reported on the island. After careful consideration, the alternatives of the immediate U.S. invasion of Cuba or an airstrike or on those missile sites, a blockade of the island or further diplomatic maneuvers, John F. K. John F. K. John F. Kennedy, sorry, um, decided to put a kind of naval quarantine or a blockade on Cuba to prevent any further Soviet uh, ships coming to close to the island. October 22 warned the U.S. forces would seize, quote, offensive weapons and associated material that Soviet vessels might attempt to deliver to Cuba. And during those following days, and anxious, filled days, Soviet ships bound for Cuba altered course away from the quarantine zone. As the two superpowers hovered close to the brink of nuclear war, messages were exchanged between Kennedy and Khrushchev. And on October 28th, Khrushchev did capitulate and stood down. In return, Kennedy committed the United States to never invading Cuba. Kennedy also secretly promised to withdraw his nuclear sites out of Turkey. A carol was born. Noel and Gloria Regni wrote, Do you hear what I hear? A timeless Christmas prayer of hope and peace and presence and, and love during and because of the Cuban Missile Crisis in the midst of the Cold War. 
In October of 1962, this musician, Noel Regney, walking through the streets of Manhattan, the weight of despair in his heart reflected on the unsmiling faces of the people that he was passing on the street. A war of words and maneuvers called the Cold War held the world in an icy grip with the United States and the Soviet Union as combatants. And the carol was birthed. Said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? A star, a star. And then he says, do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? A song high above the trees, a voice as big as the sea. For us, I want to look at a biblical song that was lofted above our high seas. If you guys have your Bibles, I want to just briefly, and actually Eleanor read it this morning, I want to just look at and unpack, if you allow me, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah 9 and and, and ESV. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In a world filled with war and violence, and especially the world of 1962, where there was a global threat of nuclear destruction. Because it's interesting, I went on to check like, what was happening in 1962 in New Zealand. And there was a couple things, like there was a, a guy that did a, um, a race, it was a, I think it was a car race, he won an award for car race. The polio vaccine was getting rolled out, if you remember. Very, isn't that how prophetic that is? There's a polio vaccine rolling out for polio. But in the midst of all that, even in the newsreels of New Zealand, the top story was this. It was a universal global threat. Sound familiar? We're in a universal global story, a narrative. Every single person on planet Earth is now affected by COVID-19. But back in 1962, every single person on the planet was affected about those ships heading towards Cuba, bound with intercontinental ballistic missiles. People were on edge. And so Noel Regney, interesting, his name is Noel, Noel, um, he writes with his wife, this song, a song of response to to the people that he was seeing walking and their faces were just, there there was just that sense of like, I don't know what to do with this situation. We saw those faces during lockdown where you're kind of putting a brave face. You're kind of going, I think we got this, but not really. I don't know where this is going to go physical safety, political harmony don't necessarily reflect the kind of peace he's talking about. John 14, 27, it's on your screen. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
See, the Hebrew word shalom is often used in a reference to, a, to, a, to the appearance of calm or tranquility of individuals or groups or nations. The Greek word irene means unity and accord. Paul uses irene to describe the adjective of the New Testament church. But the deeper, more foundational meaning of peace, if you're using your notes here, is this. It's the spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. I'm going to say that one more time. It is, peace is the spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. That was actually the crux of every single sermon that Billy Graham ever preached. His big thing was peace with God. Have you made peace with God? And he, he was in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. He, every single decade, was, there was always some global thing happening. And Billy Graham just preached the same message. Do you, are you at peace with God today? Because peace is just that. It's the spiritual harmony brought by your individual restoration with God. Are you, do you know that you're a sinner? Robert Blakely did this in the, in the old baptistry the other day, didn't he? I asked those questions, you know, to leave, cleave, and weave. Are you leaving the life, the marred sin in your life? Are you saying, I renounce that on my life? I, I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to do the things that I want to do anymore. And I want to cleave to Christ. I have decided to follow Jesus. And there's peace with God then. That's when you experience the peace of God. The peace that transcends all understanding. It's not peace, man. Hey, right on, bro. Like, it's, it's the peace. And in the midst of a 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, where anyone from New Zealand to New York is going, I don't know how this is going to pan out. All it takes is one mistake in the water. Someone to miscommunicate what the one ship is doing and the missiles launched and it would have hit the eastern seaboard and then uh, all of a sudden all the American missiles would have hit from Turkey to Russia and we would be all in a nuclear winter. I was saying to the, saying to the kids, I said, we wouldn't, I don't think we'd be here if we had that happen. But that's where we are right now with this pandemic. And I'm just saying to you, there's a promise a prophecy of peace coming. And that's found through Jesus and through the Christmas story. And that's where it's fresh again for us. So as we look at the story of Christmas with new eyes, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a Cuban Missile Crisis, in the midst of polio, in the midst of whatever it was, there's always been a prophetic invitation to peace. Amen? For the carol, do you hear what I hear? We see this question. Do you see what I see? Do you see the star? And I, I asked uh, Sarah, when we were looking at designing and decorating the church for Christmas, one of the first things she said is, I really feel like it's going to be white and gold and stars. I, didn't, I, I hadn't even thought this one through yet. So there's going to be stars all over this place in the next coming weeks. 
But the question is, do you see the star? The story of Advent, the story of promise, the story of a fulfilled prophecy, the star. And then later in the song we see, do you hear the bigger than the sea song above the trees declaring about the peace child Jesus Christ? Because I think for me, so many of us, it looks like we're doing our life and we're surrounded by these trees and they're thick. And sometimes you can't even see through the trees. And this song, the song of peace is actually way above. And if we just look up, we'll, we'll see it and now we'll hear it. The story, the promise, the prophecy of peace. So there's three things, if you're taking notes, a contemporary application. And I was sitting there last night after eating uh, Thanksgiving dinner, and I felt very full, and, and, and Crystal was brushing her teeth, and I'm laying there going, God, what does this mean if I'm sitting in your chairs? Like, John, this all sounds good, but let me have some traction. I need some traction. Where is this going? I said, it's these three A words. I said, the first one is attitude. What is our attitude as we enter the season of uncertainty? An attitude, we could be all gloom and doom. We could be grim. It could be frustration. It could be desperation. It could be confusion and hopelessness. But with the promise and the prophecy of a Savior, God challenges us, doesn't he? He challenges you this morning about your attitude. Give me your attitude. And here's what he says. If you have your Bibles, it says Philippians 2, 5, 8. Having the mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, having the same attitude of Christ, who though he was in form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what did Jesus do for you? Having the same attitude, he emptied himself by taking form of a servant and in this case of the Advent story, in the form of a little baby, born in the likeness of men, and found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, what? To the point of death. Even death on that thing, on a cross. If you need an attitude check this morning, I know I did. I'm like, oh yeah, Christmas, I heard it, done it, seen it, got a t-shirt to prove it. No, 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 I have to check my attitude because the attitude is that of Jesus coming in human flesh for you. But John, there's more to that. I said, yes, not only is there an attitude, but there's an agenda. I was asked someone today, I was talking about um, counseling and becoming a pre-marriage facilitator, and I immediately said to her, I said, I have an agenda you know, sometimes when you talk with people, you know, it's, it's like, oh, it's just having a cup of coffee. But then you just want to, like, get in front of it going, what's your agenda? There is no such thing as a free lunch. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> right? It's like, can we just get past all the pleasantries? Yeah, great flat white. What do you need? <laughs> what do you want? No joke, it was the first person I met in New Zealand. I was new a year ago, and I asked this girl, I said, hey, you want to get a cup of coffee? Good, and I went to the old C4 coffee shop, and I sat down, and her first words were like, what do you want me to do? I said, what? He's like, well, typically when the pastor asks me for a coffee, it's always, can I roster you into this, please? 
And I just said, no, girl. I said, all I want is just to get to know you. And that just blew her mind. She's like, what? So it's just a coffee? And I just like let her hair down. I'm like, all right. But God has an agenda. He does. God has an agenda here with this whole prophecy in peace. He has a plan. Thank God God has a plan. I know people see me and they're like, John's pretty loose and juicy. He's kind of laid back and whatever. But I have a plan. Secretly, I have an agenda with every single one of you. More on that later. No. Okay. But, but isn't it so good that God has a plan? He has a plan for the entire cosmos. He's a plan for the world. And that at, at such a time as this, with the Roman Empire developing and all the roads were getting made, and there was this, this unified language called Greek, and he's like, now here comes my son. Here is the perfect time. I have an agenda, a holy agenda. Here's what he's saying. He says, I'm going to send my son so that they can never say I've never been there. You know, that's a huge thing. When I was on, on the edge of faith, not, not thinking that Jesus Christ or Christianity was going to make sense, the thing that tethered me to Christianity was he was there. Sarah talked about it last week and put up baby feet. Jesus had baby feet because he was there. He was in that Philippians you know, text. He's like, he took on that form of a man. He could say, I've gone through the hard stuff. God's saying this too. He's like, here's my plan. He goes, I'm going to send my son as a child being born on earth and not just appear like an angel does. We've done the angels before. I appeared in an angel in a fiery bush, freaked out Moses. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, and that, I've done this, and that. And still, so here's what I'm going to do. This is the ultimate for how much I love this planet. I'm going to send my son. Have you thought that through? Have you looked at the Old Testament arch into the New Testament? God's saying, I've sent this. I've sent a, a donkey. I've sent Noah in an ark. And I've sent burning bushes. I've sent parted waves. I've done writing on wall. I've sent, you know, lions shutting their mouth. I've seen Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not burning in a fire. I'm like, how many times do I need to send stuff? And God says, here's what I'm going to do. I have an ultimate plan. I'm going to send my son Jesus at Christmas time as a baby going to be an amazing story, a story that you can't make up or fake or try to work out. Statistically, it's an impossibility for all those things to happen. But it did. It did. I'm going to have my son grow up and understand what it is to be 100% human. I'm going to allow my son to be tempted in the desert by Satan. I'm going to show the world what it means to be deeply connected relationally to the Father again. Because somehow religion crept in. Legalism crept in. Rules and regulations and dogma and Talmudic laws and all, all that kind of crept in. Through my son, wherever you see the son, you see the father. That, that, that hand in hand, that interplay, that interpersonal, relational, the, 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 the dependence, that's what I'm going to show the world. And I'm going to show the world there will be a final atonement, a final sacrifice. There's got to be a clear plan for salvation through my son. So no one can say, wow, there's a bit of a loophole. No loopholes. John 14, 6. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. But if you have your Bible, it's one of my favorite scriptures, and it's pretty iconic. But, this, but I've always said, I like 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave, freely gave his son, that whoever believes in him, Jesus Christ, should not perish, but have eternal life. 17, though. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That is the prophecy. That is the peace. That is the promise. That is the presence. That is the person, Jesus. And that is the story of Christmas. He's the reason for the season, folks. And we constantly, our attitude needs to be checked all the time about that. So that's attitude, agenda, answer. The agenda becomes, as we are the recipients of this love from God, a reality. We have an eternal answer. Jesus Christ our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. Isaiah had prophesied this to a nation that was like, what? But look how it has become fulfilled in every way possible. So I, as I'm sitting here, Crystal's still brushing her teeth. I'm laying there. I'm going, what does this mean for me? What's going on? And I, I, there's an attitude check. Lord, check my heart. Check my attitude. Am I just like going, am I just running the numbers? Am I just going through Christmas like as per usual? And then God says, I got an agenda done. Get in. Don't be, don't be a spectator. Don't let it just, like one of those Santa Claus parades, don't let it just go by you. Like get in. Get into the agenda. And then I said, God, what do we do? What do we do in, our, in my Cuban Missile Crisis? What happens in my hardships, in my pain, in my struggle? Let me tell you a story. I got time. I got five minutes. Okay. Some of you guys know my testimony. I'll give you an abbreviated version. I wasn't, I wasn't raised in a church, right? Like I, I was uh, smoking, drinking, cussing, gutter to glory kind of story. And I remember um, I was looking for a job in this camp, this, this, this youth camp was, I was hiring, and they, I sent them my application. They said, come to, come to camp, and, and uh, we'll do orientation for the staff. I said, okay. So I borrowed my sister's little Corolla, and we're driving down. I was listening to White Zombie, this Satan music, literally called Satan music. And, I'm just, and I'm driving down the road. It said 20 kilometers per hour. I was doing 80, just whoa, and I didn't know where to go, so I stopped, and I saw this guy burning garbage, because that's how eco-friendly we were back then, and, and I'm like, hey, man, where's the mother, beep, 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 beep. staff orientation, and he just looked at me with stone face, Christian caught deer caught in headlights, and he just pointed, didn't say anything, just pointed like this, and I'm like, all right, mm, I'm just dust bowl and I drove to the lodge I came in I gave my application to this woman wearing a big cowboy hat and a belt buckle size of baby's face and uh welcome come on in brother and I started seeing people walk around with these have you seen this leather bound bibles with your names on it 
Eh? 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 For a non-Christian, I thought, that's weird. <laughs> and some of them had zippers on them. And like hands and doves. And they were thick, really thick. Because I was raised in the Catholic Church. The only person that had the Bible was the priest, and it was on this lectern way up here. I said, okay. And then they said, okay, gather everyone. We're just going to start with a, uh, a wee bit of prayer, uh, worship. I'm like, oh, yeah, we are. So I'm way back like where Leo is right there. I'm like, there's not even a row back there. I'm just like, like this. And they're doing the songs. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know the song? Blessed be the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And they are safe. No joke, those are the actions. They're, they're burned into my, my soul, right? I've done them millions of times overseas. The righteous run into it. And they are saved. Ah! I'm sitting in the back where Leo is. I'm going... Oh my gosh, it's a cult. Run! And there, there's a window right here, and there's my car. And I'm going, you know, you're like thinking I can do the exit like SEAL Team 6 and just go, you know, like this. No one's going to notice. <laughs> Turn on my, my music and just go. But there was something there. I, my attitude was out of check. God had an agenda for my life. But then here's the thing. There was an answer. And the answer was, what have you got to lose, John? Give God a chance. The answer is right there, John. In your crisis, in your hardships, in your pain, in your struggle, the answer is give Jesus a chance. Because, John, your life is a pile of dung, a garbage heap. It's like what that guy was burning in the big pot. You've tried everything that you can, all the Eastern mystical stuff and this, that, and the other, and the prayers and the Whatever, all the Steam Seagal movies that you tried to figure out, that would be some kind of thing that you can do, didn't work. And God just very clearly said, I got a plan for your life, but would you give me a chance? And I, I don't know what, it, I didn't know what it is now, but I know it's the Holy Spirit. I didn't do, I didn't do this either, going, let's say it. Like I, I, but I did look at the lyrics, and I started just saying the lyrics. And the, in the name of the Lord is... A strong tower. <laughs> Righteous run into. <laughs> Woo! Maybe this Christmas, folks, we need to embrace the peace of God afresh. Move towards Him. He, I remember one pastor preacher said, God is the hound of heaven. And he is like a bloodhound. He, once he's got your scent, he will keep chasing you and chasing you. So it's not so much like I found Jesus. <laughs> and this is where I'm a little more reformed. I think God, God got you. And he's got you in a place where he's now saying to you this morning, would you give me a chance? And what a great season to start all over again. The start of Advent, the start of this Christ child, the song being as big as the sea, sung above your tree line. Do you hear what I hear? Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.